You may be seated. Our scripture today is found in, in Exodus 32, 1 through 4, and then 19 through 24. When the people saw how long it was taking Moses to come back down the mountain, they gathered around Aaron. Come on, they said, make us some gods who can lead us. We don't know what happened to this fellow Moses who brought us here from the land of Egypt. So Aaron said, take the gold rings from the ears of your wives and the sons and daughters and bring them to me. All the people took the gold rings from the ears and brought them to Aaron. Then Aaron took the gold, melted it down, and molded it into the shape of a calf. When the people saw it, they exclaimed, O Israel, these are the gods who brought you out of the land of Egypt. And then continuing in verse 19, When they came near the camp, Moses saw the calf and the dancing, and he burned with anger. He threw the stone tablets to the ground, smashing them at the foot of the mountain. He took the calf they had made and and burned it. and Then he put it in the ground into powder, threw it into the water, and forced the people to drink it. Finally, he turned to Aaron and demanded, What did these people do to you to make you bring such terrible sin upon them? Don't get so upset, my lord, Aaron replied. You yourself know how evil these people are. They said to me, Make us gods who will lead us. We don't know what happened to this fellow Moses who brought us here from the land of Egypt. So I told them, Whoever has gold jewelry, take it off. When they brought it to me, I simply threw it into the fire, and out came this calf. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So the fruit of the Spirit starts out with an enticing flavor for us. It's a flavor we want to take a big bite of, love. And it just seems to get better and sweeter from there. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. It's like a lump at the end of the list of the fruits of the Spirit. You, get, you start nodding along, yeah, 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 and then, oh, Paul lays it on us with self-control. And sometimes I think, like, should he have called this the eight fruit of the Spirit and the one vegetable of the Spirit, just, like, to be honest about it? Because that's the way it feels. But I've had to grapple with, as I've, I've been studying self-control, so I could talk to y'all, why does Paul call it a fruit? Why does it belong here? Why would you want it? Why would I want it? And what I've realized is this is the fruit of the Spirit that will bring us victory, that will make us strong, that will help us overcome sin that has always beaten us. This is the fruit of the Spirit, self-control, that will do that. Proverbs uh, twenty-five twenty-eight says that a person without self-control is like a city with broken down walls. It's like a city that is unprotected. In the ancient world, every city of any size had walls. It was the first thing you wanted because it was your first line of defense. You could sleep soundly at night if you lived in a city with strong walls. And the stronger you could make them, the taller you could make them, the thicker. I have seen ancient walls this thick at their base. As thick as my my wingspan, I guess. The taller, the stronger, the thicker the walls were, the safer you were. The more you could live in peace and security. Because when invading armies came, you would gather behind the walls, and anybody who didn't live within the walled city would rush to the walled city with their children and their grandchildren. They'd get inside, close the doors, and man the walls. And then they'd just say, you're not taking this city. And nobody was, unless the army could find a weak spot in the wall. 
So that's what an army would do. They'd march all the way around the city looking for the weakness. And let me tell you all, if they found that weak spot, they weren't going to go attack the strongest spot with the most defenders. They were going to go right at the weak spot, right at the problem area. And sin is the same way with you and me. Sin does not fight fair. It is going to find the weak spots in our self-control, the areas where we constantly struggle. And it will not hit us where we're strong. It's going to find the weak areas, the broken down areas, and come rushing in there. But we can repair the wall. So here's the bad news. All of us have at least one weak spot. At least. We have a spot where the wall is broken or crumbling. One guy in an earlier service said, mine feels like a gaping wound. We all have one. And um, I wanted to kind of help you think about what that might be, tell you some of the common ones Americans struggle with. Um, We struggle with self-control with our finances as Americans. We We had a brief kind of introspective time after the financial crisis, and then consumer debt roared to an all-time high. In the past couple of years, it hit an all-time high. And now if you took Americans' debt, you divided it up among every American, meaning our kids too, it would mean we all owe $10,200, every single one of us. It's a whole. Um, Some people think I did this on purpose with Thanksgiving coming up, but let me just ask, how great are we with what we eat? Um, Two-thirds, two-thirds of Americans are overweight or obese. It's a hole in our wall, in our self-control. How good are we with our time? Well, the American Time You Study says that on average, Americans spend three hours with a screen every day, but minutes with our kids. It's a hole. What about our passions? There's a study by the Barna Group that 64% of men in the month previous had viewed pornography. 64%. And the numbers they found were exactly the same with non-Christians and Christians. It's a whole. And I think if I went on, I could indict every single one of us. Name something, some place that we struggle, some weakness in the walls around our hearts where sin is getting in and doing violence to our hearts. My point is not to make us feel guilty. My point is to invite us into a place where we can be healed, where we can be transformed. We can build the wall back up. God will help us. But the first thing is an uncomfortable thing. I want you to go to that hole in your wall. The small hole, the big hole, the gaping wound. Most of us can name that right now. In the quiet of your heart, would you just say the name of that place? How would you invite God to stand with you? by that hole to say I need help help me 
build the wall here. He's going to. You're going to find transformation. And the amazing transformation of God is that the places where we were defeated again and again and again with the Holy Spirit can be transformed where we, we put a flag up there and say, victory. God brought me victory. And that's what I want to help all of us find today as we build up our self-control. And the way we're going to do that is we're going to go walk with Aaron to the place where he had a giant gaping hole in his wall. Aaron was the high priest of God. He was like the bishop of God's people. And he had such a hole in his wall that not only did sin rush into his life, but sin rushed from him throughout the community of God. What happened was this. Moses had taken Joshua, and he went up on Mount Sinai to get the covenant. And the mountain had fire, and it was rumbling, and there was a cloud over it. I imagine it looking like a volcano and being just that terrifying to the people who were waiting for Moses, their leader, to come back. And day added on to day, added on to day, and they didn't know where he was. And what began as a little bit of fear began to catch fire in their hearts until they were terribly afraid. And they rushed up to Aaron, their spiritual leader, and they said, you've got to make us some idols that we can see because we can't see Moses anymore. So this is the moment that they're saying, we're abandoning the God who brought us out of slavery. We're ready to abandon the God who led us through the Red Sea. We're ready to abandon the God who gives us manna every morning for something we can see and touch and maybe control. And Aaron in that moment caves. Get me your gold. Give me your kid's gold. Bring it all here. And he melts it down, shapes it into a calf, sets it up on a pillar and says, here you go. And God says to Moses up on the mountain, you need to run because the people are falling into sin. And Moses and Joshua run back down the mountain in time to see the entire nation of Israel in drunken revelry, debauchery, bowing down to a golden calf. And Moses smashes the Ten Commandments because they've been smashed to bits by the people's actions, right? And he pulls down the calf and um, melts it, grinds it into a powder and puts it in the drinking water and says, drink it. And then he rounds on Aaron and says, and you, how could you let this happen? What in the world did they do to you that you let sin rush in on them? Aaron goes, it wasn't me. I didn't do it. You know how bad the people are. They're evil. It was their fault. And really, when you come right down to it, I just took the gold and threw it into the fire, and out came the calf. What are you going to do? Aaron would have loved Spanish, because in Spanish, you, you have much more opportunity to equivocate. Um, when I, if you say, where is that thing that you asked me to, you know, where's that book you promised me, Laura? I have to say, I forgot it. But in Spanish, I would say, se me olvido, it forgot itself to me. I love Spanish. It forgot itself. I'm sorry. Next time, maybe it will remember itself. But the first thing we need to see from Aaron is when 
He is caught in his sin. He says, it's not my fault. And he blames the people, and he kind of is blaming Moses for leaving him with the people, and he blames the calf for making itself. I mean, y'all all laughed when Greg read that, right? Because that is hysterical. But we need to own that we're like that. That each of us would much rather find somebody else to blame for our sin than to say, I chose that. So the first thing you can do is take ownership. Just take ownership. Realize that we do not choose our circumstances in life, but we always choose our response. Always. Did Aaron volunteer to be left behind? No. He was stuck with that. Did he get to handpick the people who he had to lead? No, he was stuck with them. Did he ask for them to rush up on him and say, give us some gods? No. But Aaron chose how to respond. And Aaron's response was sinful. And what we see in the Bible again and again is that people who, like Aaron, point their fingers, they never are transformed. But so many of our great leaders in the faith are not great because they never sinned. Like David, they're great because they sinned and when Someone comes to David and says, what have you done? He says, what have I done? I have sinned. And so the first thing we have to do is own it and say, okay, so I did this. Now what do I do about it? The next step. Once you know, okay, I make my choices. I don't get to choose um, if somebody cuts me off in traffic, I don't get to choose if someone is ugly to me or stabs me in the back. I can't choose how the economy is going, but I can choose my response. And the next thing you do is when you know that's a hole in my wall, that's a place where I'm tempted a lot, you make distance between yourself and that thing. Don't go snuggle it. A lot of times I see people cozying up, petting the things. that like That is your temptation. Get away from that. Get away from it. Um, There is a father in Proverbs who's talking to his son. The son is sorely tempted um, with his passions. And he says to his son, Son, stay away from the front door of that woman's house. And I love that because he doesn't say, Stay out of that woman's bedroom. He says, Stay away from her front door. Don't kid yourself that that's okay because small things lead to the next thing. And what you want is big distance between you and what you struggle with. Big distance. And then you would say to me, well, but what about Aaron? I mean, he, they jumped him. He was surprised. Well, I found we usually respond from bad places if we're just caught unawares. And so the best thing Aaron could have done in this situation first, after he realized I can make a choice, is said, why don't you let me sleep on that? So you want an idol, huh? I need to give that some thought. Let me, let me think about it. Um, if you're caught unawares, count to ten. You know, that can be one of the most healing things if you realize this is a place where I'm tempted. Count to ten before you decide. Let, say, God help me here. Think through, if I make a choice like this, where does that path take me? Okay, if I choose this other way, where will that take me? Where will that take me in a week? Where will that take me in a year? And which one of those ways is the way that God is calling me to be? 
Take ownership, create distance, and as soon as you have that distance, even a little bit, pray. I mean, we're going to fail if we keep trying to be strong enough on our own. But with God, we have victory. So invite God into those painful, gaping wound places of your life. The first thing Aaron should have done after he said, give me a minute, is he should have said, God, help. And what we want to do in prayer with God is not pretend, hey, it's okay, but just admit it's not okay. I can imagine Aaron saying, God, I'm scared. I don't know where my brother is. I don't know if he's died. I don't know how to lead these people. And now they want a God. And gosh, I want to be able to see you and help. Be honest in your prayers. Be honest with God. And then realize God's going to help. I mean, can you imagine? Imagine if the story had gone. Aaron um, backed up a little bit, said, I need to pray. Do you think they still would have ended up with a calf? No. God would have showed him the way out. And I think what would have happened is Aaron would have seen that he needed to lead the whole community in that prayer. That they needed to sing the songs of deliverance to remind them God has been faithful to us in the past. We've been through the Red Sea. We've been delivered from slavery. Um, We have food every morning because God provides. They should have sung those songs together like we sing together. Then they should have prayed and said, we're scared. Help us to know you're with us, that we're not abandoned here. They could have worshipped and they could have eaten a meal together. There's so many things they could have done. Pray. Um, You guys, before you make huge decisions, especially if you know that's near my area of um, weakness, pray about it. Finally, recruit a friend. So you've recruited God into this, and now recruit another person. In Exodus 32, Aaron acts like he's all alone, right? Like it's me and the people. But if you go back to Exodus 24, when Moses left, he did not leave his brother alone. He left with Joshua, and he left the elders back there, and he left Aaron with a man named Hur, H-U-R. This was the best guy to have in a point of weakness. Hur was the guy when um, Moses had to pray for the Israelites to have victory. He had to lift his arms up and pray, and it was an all-day prayer, and his arms started getting weak. Aaron took one arm and lifted it up, and Hur got a stone and sat him down and lifted the other arm so that Moses could keep his arms up and the Israelites could win. Aaron did one, and Hur, this guy named Hur, did the other. So Aaron, Moses has left his brother with the best person in the world when you're feeling weak. Left him with this guy named Hur. So all Aaron had to do is he prays and he thinks, oh, I'm not alone. I have her. I'm feeling really weak right now. Help me. Did y'all know that you have a her? Find them. You may already know who they are, but you, you may not. I encourage you to find that person who you can say, with all honesty, this is where I struggle. This is where I'm tempted and I'm so ashamed, but I need some help. And I promise y'all that when you say that, when you speak that out loud to your trusted friend, you are twice as strong as you were before. 
just saying it out loud, the wall is already halfway rebuilt because now you're not trying to face it alone. That is a lie that sin gives to us, that it's shameful. Now, what's shameful is to keep trying to fight it on your own. Find your friend and face it together. And that's what we do at this church. We say we're a community of imperfect people. Thank you, God, that we don't say we're a community of perfect people. Who would want to be part of that church? None of us, right? We're here for each other. We're here for each other. And I see you being her to each other. I see the Siva ministers doing it. And I see the hospital visitation team doing it. And the prayer shawl team. And I see you in your small groups and your reunion groups. And when you're out serving together, I see you asking, how are things? And I know every single one of you would be willing to be a friend for someone else who is struggling, every single one. And what I want you to ask, to ask you to do is be brave enough to seek a friend too. Seek your friend. You will be stronger together. There is a scripture in the Bible that says that you will not face a sin or a temptation that God will not give you the strength to stand against. That's a promise of victory where there's been defeat. That's a promise of strength where there's been weakness. That's a promise of being transformed by self-control. Self-control will bring you victory. Self-control will give you strength. Self-control will protect you like a wall around your heart. Let's pray. God, we ask that you would build up our self-control. We all know the places where we fail and how awful it feels again and again to be overrun by sin and temptation. I pray you would begin to sing a new song in our lives to build back the walls. Help us to take ownership, to realize we have a choice. Help us to create distance so that we can pray. Be involved, Lord, in transforming us and building us back up again. And Lord, help us to find our friend so that we're not alone, so that you can bring us victory. We ask that you would, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.